it's bad enough. The Ducks lost to the Penguins in that fashion in overtime. It's even worse when the Ducks lost to a team where Tony D'Angelo is not the worst human being on that team. No. Seriously. Your Locked On Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Take seven. Welcome, everyone, to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. Don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Citrus, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon, etc. My personal Twitter's at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter's at LO underscore Ducks. Thanks for making this your first listen. Okay, let's just get right into it because I'm obviously not happy right now. The fact that this is like take seven of this I've tried recording this six times, and I'm just, at this point, I'm just pissed. I am. I've mentioned several times that it is difficult talking about this team on a daily basis. I mean, yes, there are plenty of others out there that talk about the Ducks, you know, once a week, twice a week. Imagine doing this on the daily. Imagine having to talk about this Ducks team Every single day. For four years. This team. Has been through pretty much every crappy thing. In the past four years. More specifically in the Dallas Eakins era. These last two games have just been an encapsulation of what is wrong with this team. It really is. They went through the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and at least got a point. But the way they got one out of four points, looking back, what what are we doing? What are the Ducks even doing? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about this game against the Pens, then talk about that game against the Flyers, and go into like all the other stupid crap that's going on. So we'll start with the game against the Pens at the Not-So-Igloo. If you watched the last episode, my preview with Hunter Hodes from Locked on Pens, we talked about what the Ducks would have to do, you ready for this, in order for the Ducks to have any kind of shots. I said the Ducks would have a shot if they didn't allow 40 plus shots on goal. They gave up 45 shots on goal. That already was not good. Special teams had to be better. We'll talk about that later. Oh, how about the Ducks not allowing so many slot shots? Not allowing maybe 15? Well, guess what? (laughs) The Pens got their share of shots in the slot, especially in the end. Let me take you through this really quick. The Ducks allowed 45 shots to their own 29. So they got out shot again. High danger chances on this game were redonkulous. 29 to 13 in favor of the Pens. Can I share something with you? The expected goals on this game were 5.83 to 2.82, all situations in favor of, you guessed it, the Penguins. So the final score was expected to be 6 to 3. Well, the 3 was correct. The Ducks did get their 3, the Pens did not get their 6 goals. In fact, they only had three 
at the end of regulation. Oh, wait, it was tied at the end of regulation? Yes, it was. The Ducks took the Pens to overtime. If you could believe that. So let me quickly go through that little bit. Oh, yeah. Hunter also mentioned that there was one player that he really liked from the Ducks that was in that trade last year. He really likes Ricard Raquel and even said, watch him get a multi-point game. Well, guess what? Rax did get a multi-point game. In fact, he got three points in this game. Three. One in the first on that Jason Zucker goal. And then Uncle Rico scoring on the power play. Yeah. Mason McTavish, my man. Troy Terry, what up? Adam Henrique, Uncle Rico, power play goal. Oh my God, the Ducks scored a power play goal. Maybe special teams are beginning to work a little bit. How about the fact that the Pens had some good quality chances, especially in that second period where the Ducks had two men down for about a minute and somehow Pittsburgh didn't score. They did not score on that five on three. Wow. Wow. Great killing by the Ducks. Awesome. But they were still down 2-1 to one at the end of two periods because Gino got a nice pass from Ricard Raquel, Rack's second apple of the game. It was 2-1, to one, and I'll admit, that's when I really started watching because, you know, for obvious reasons, I couldn't watch the game live, the whole game live, for, you know, kind of obvious reasons. And as I'm going through that third period, I'm thinking, wow, the Ducks don't look good right now. It's going to wind up being 2-1 to one till the end of the game. It might be an empty netter towards the end or maybe, you know, a third goal and then an empty netter. I said, watch it be 3-1. to one. Watch. And then something happened. Some kind of magic happened. Now, the way this happened, this kind of counts as special teams, but kind of doesn't because there was penalties like really quick. Shattenkirk got caught high-sticking. And then Ricard Raquel, on that power play, he got a, a lot overzealous, wound up tripping Benoit. So all of a sudden, we're four on four. We're four on four until something happens. Shattenkirk leaves the box at just the right time. And there was a little bit of a turnover, a little bit of a flub from the Penguins. Troy Terry got the steal, picked up the loose change. Passed it over to Trevor Zegras, who now had two guys on either side. Shattenkirk is one of them. Shattenkirk is on Z's left-hand side. And there's kind of an odd man rush. Kind of a three-on-two. Zegras, I'm thinking right here, oh, Z is going to take this shot because he has the net right there. And he could shoot it and score it right there. But no, he did not do that. By the way, the other guy on that right side was John Klingberg. So John Klingberg got credited with a power play goal. Well, technically a power play goal because the penalty had just ended. Pittsburgh wasn't set up. The Ducks weren't set up. It was kind of like a weird rush. But the Ducks did tie the game right there at two goals apiece. And Troy Vechkin, his second point of the game. And Z, great pass to Klingberg on that one. Fantastic. A few minutes later, on kind of another turnover, Ryan Strome passed it to a streaking Trevor Zegras, who went down the middle, except Zegras took the shot this time, scored, 
what would have been the game-winning goal. It was 3-2. to two. Whoa. The Ducks could win this game. They're up 3-2. to two. Wow. This could happen. And then Brian Rust happened. Ricard Raquel got his third assist of the game. Scores tied at three. Great passing all around. The Ducks were six versus five against them. And they gave up that goal with 25 seconds left. Another another late last minute goal given up by the Ducks. They've done this a lot this season. They did it a lot last season. They did it two years ago. They did it three years ago. They have a pinch shot for giving up very late goals, which will result in a loss. Like this one did. Oh, but how this one ended. I feel like I could talk about this for a while. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to head to the first intermission right now. Talk about how that game ended and why it was embarrassing. We'll get to that on the other side. But first, let's talk about Bet Online, which is the one place that has you covered, the one place that we trust. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. If you want to check out the lines for the NBA, you can do that. They have the NHL as well. And hey, the football playoffs are on right now. And boy, what if you bet on that? wild Chargers-Jags game in which the Chargers blew a 27-point lead. (laughs) If you had put money on the Jags, you would have made a big amount of money. So, if you want to check out the latest props, odds, and lines, head over to BetOnline using either your mobile device or your laptop. BetOnline is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. And I'm just going to one-take this because I did like seven takes on that last segment. This is take three of this segment. So I'm just going to go straight through, just power through. If there's any mistakes, oh well, so be it. Yeah. That overtime against Pittsburgh. The Ducks had that game. The game was on Trevor Zegers' stick. It was. Absolutely. And what happened there, I can't even believe it. It's three on three. Trevor Zegris winds up with a breakaway against Casey DeSmith. One on one. Zegris versus Casey DeSmith. Z could have done any amount of tricks to get it past DeSmith. He could have deked right faked left, and went back to the right. He could have done, like, his little toe, like, the little toe stick goal. Just flip it up on the edge of a stick. I've seen him do it. I saw him do it as a member of the San Diego goals against J.F. Barube. We know he can do that because I freaking saw it live. He could have had some kind of trickeration goal or pretend like it was a shootout because... We've seen that live too. We've seen Z on the shootout. We've seen how good he is on the shootout this season. And he elected to pass it. 
He elected to pass it. Maybe he remembered that the Ducks were tanking after all. Maybe he remembered that, hey, if I want to play with, you know, my buddy Connor Bedard, maybe I should tank here, right? Yeah, let's do that. <sighs> Zegris tried to pass it to Cam Fowler. Fowler wasn't ready for that pass. And all of a sudden we have an odd man rush going the other way. Sidney Crosby passed it to Jake Gensel, who put it away over Gibby's shoulder, and that was it. Pittsburgh won 4-3 in overtime, and the Ducks squandered a major chance to at least get one victory on this road trip. This would have been at least a kind of statement win for the Ducks, and it wasn't. Now, I get that Z is a great playmaker. And this is kind of the yin and yang of Trevor Zegris. We saw this in the third period. On the quote-unquote power play. It wasn't, it wasn't even really a power play. You know, Shaddy had just left the box. It was barely a power play in the third for the Ducks. But on that Klingberg goal, Zegris had, he had a lane. He could have shot it. He chose to pass to Klingberg because he saw that Klingberg had a better shot and Zegers had a good shot, but there was still a defenseman right there parked right by where Zegers was. So Zegers could have had a decent shot, maybe a rebound, but Klingberg was the better option on that one. But minutes later, Zegers was kind of alone in that slot area because no one was covering him. And Z said, oh, I have an open shot. I'm going to take said open shot. And he scored it. So what was he doing in that situation in overtime? Now, granted, if the pass to Fowler connected, well, first off, it was a low percentage pass. But if it had connected, DeSmith would have been dead as a dog. He would have just completely flopped around like a fish given up and Fowler would have had an easy goal to win it in overtime but that was a breakaway for Z that was a breakaway there was no one in front of him just him versus the goalie if you're that wide open on a breakaway take the shot take the freaking shot. I saw all the comments that Trevor Zegras was doing his best impression of Ryan Getzloff, who was admittedly more of a pass first kind of player. But when, even when Getzloff had breakaways like that, yeah, he passed it once in a while, but for the most part, when Getzy had a breakaway like that, he shot it. Still one of my favorite Ducks games from the past few seasons is the El Capitan goal from Dia de los Muertos. That was a breakaway. Getzy kept the puck himself and scored the game-winning goal. We've seen that a couple of times before he retired. Where whenever Getzloff had a breakaway, he would shoot the freaking puck. And I think that came with age as well. Getzloff realized in his last few years... That, oh, crap, maybe I should take that shot. If I'm wide open, yeah, you think? 
So is this a rookie mistake by Trevor Zegers? I don't know if I'd call this a rookie mistake because Trevor Zegers is no longer a rookie. He's no longer a prospect. He should know when to shoot it and when to pass it. He should also realize that when you're on a breakaway like that, you are more likely to get the goalie to bite. Which is what could have happened if Z had made some kind of move instead of passing it off. And he didn't. He just didn't. As I'm watching this live, I I just kind of had this look like, really? Really? It happened again. <sighs> That's how they would lose that game. That's how. It's, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that the Ducks already lost that game. It's even worse when the Ducks have been doing this for the last few years. It's worse knowing that they had a shot. They had this game. The Ducks had this game and just squandered it. That's what makes this team hard to watch. It's not the bad losses. It's the losses where they legitimately had the game. Legitimately. And still blew it. They, 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 they blew it. They had it in their hands. They had a 3-2 lead with under a minute left. Gave up that goal towards the end. It's tough, folks. It's really tough to watch. Every game. It gets harder and harder and harder. Well, draft is coming up. Got that to look forward to, right? And same old, same old. They gave up 45 shots. But hey, at least the power play worked. I mean, the power play worked. But I was more impressed with the penalty kill on this one. Especially... The one where they killed a five on three. That was impressive. The way they handled the two men down in that particular situation. That was freaking fantastic. Loved it. Whew. But it was to no avail. Ducks lost that one. Four to three. Should have won it. Say la vie. realize that we're up against it so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this a double header on Wednesday because I'm way over time here so instead of talking about the Flyers game on this episode I'm just going to bring this up now because I'm already pissed off as it is I'm already kind of in that mood so you know I'm just going to go for it here instead of talking about the game itself I'm going to talk about the pre-game kind of a preview for the next episode all right during the pregame between, well, before the Ducks and Flyers game, first thing I noticed was Lisa Dillman and Eric Stevens at Iceman Cometh, they reported that Gibby was out and Stoli the goalie was in. So we would have Anthony Stolarz in net, which is great because Gibby at least got to start in his hometown against the Penguins. And Stoli would get the start against his former club, the Philadelphia Flyers. Stoli 
bless his heart, still loves Philadelphia. Still has kind of a spot in his heart. He's the one that had the iconic Gritty mask. Not like the little one, but the one where Gritty was like, boom, all over his mask. And if you missed that, I talked with Stolars three years ago down in San Diego. And I asked, I asked him about it. I asked him legit about the Gritty mask because there was a listener. Actually, two people asked me to ask him this. Rachel Donner, who hosts Locked on Flyers. Like she kind of said in past, like, hey, what happened to that Gritty mask? And there was a fan. There was a fan. You know, back in the infancy of Locked on Ducks, um, I put a tweet that said, like, hey, what should I ask Solars? And one of you listeners or watchers said, hey, ask him about the Gritty Mask. So we talked for a couple of minutes, and apparently that Gritty Mask, he sold, well, he didn't really sell it, but he gave it to, like, kind of a buddy of his. And wherever that money was going to go, he said, you know what, no. I'll give it to you, but let's put that money to charity. So that's exactly what happened. One of his buddies has the mask, and they donated that money to charity. It's great. Just freaking great. One of the many reasons why I love Anthony Solars. Just one of my favorite guys. So he was out there during warm-ups. He was the first goalie out. For the Ducks. The first goalie out for the Flyers was none other than, wait, Sam Airson? Yeah. Yeah, he was the first goalie out. He's been hot recently. He's been very hot. So we had our two goalies come out. And then we had all the Ducks come out. And then we had all the Flyers players come out. Oh, by the way, I should point out it was Pride Night in Philadelphia. Yes, we're going to talk about this. We're absolutely going to talk about this. Can can you tell? I mean, okay. So this is no secret by now. For those of you that have known this, I'm currently the public address announcer for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. And one of the nights that we had at Coachella Valley recently was a Pride... Well, actually, not even a Pride night. We had a Pride weekend. We had a whole weekend. The Anthem Singers were both, you know, part of the LGBT community. We had several members of the LGBT... Sorry, the LGBTQ community dropping pucks on both of the weekend games. Also, the Firebirds, I mean, that logo is fire. It, <laughs> literal fire. <laughs> the jerseys were a thing of beauty. I mean, I, I wanted to get a jersey, but they only had so few to give away. So, you know, I couldn't exactly get one. But I got to see it up close. Got to get some pictures of it. It's beautiful. But I got a flag because I fully support the LGBTQ community fully support I have friends some longtime friends that are gay I've got friends I've got colleagues even colleagues on this very network that are part of the LGBTQ community 
And to see what happened before the game, disgusting. Very disgusting. Ivan Provorov, a defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers, refused to go out in warm-ups. Why did he refuse? Because during warm-ups, the Flyers wore their special Pride Night jerseys that they were going to auction off during the game. Really cool-looking jerseys. And Provorov refused. And he cited religious reasons. As I said, imagine losing to a team where Tony D'Angelo isn't the biggest piece of crap on that team. Imagine that. People already hate Tony D'Angelo for a plethora of reasons. And Provorov just blew that out of the water in one fell swoop. By citing, you know, that he's got his own beliefs, which, you know. Okay, you can have your beliefs. That's fine. But at least, at least go out there just for like a minute. And at least take like a short warm-up and that's it. You can like take a warm-up for a minute, go back in the locker room, take off the jersey, that's it. That might have been okay. It might have been. But for him to flat out refuse, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this word carefully here. It's kind of cowardly. It's absolutely cowardly. You do not go out there during the team's first Pride Night when you have teammates that are donating their time and money to the local LGBTQ community and do that. It's it's a bad look, especially on the team's first Pride Night. They're, ne- they're never going to have a Pride Night again, not after this. I mean, for some teams, it took long enough to have a Pride Night. Like I said, this was the first one for the Flyers. I bet they don't do this ever again. I hate to say it, but they might not. And this is where we are right now. We're in the year 2023, and we still have players that that think it's, I'm going to say it, that think it's disgusting. There are still a lot of players in the NHL and AHL that think it's disgusting. And I liked this from Steph Driver, and I retweeted this. Provorov was allowed to play in this game for the Flyers. The organization that was the first to say that you'll be removed from the arena if you utter a homophobic slur after refusing to wear a Pride logo for warm-ups. Now, did he have a right to refuse? Yeah, he had the right to refuse. I mean, the Flyers could have responded by not allowing him to play. Yes, he has that freedom. But it doesn't give you the freedom from all the consequences that are going to happen right there. And there's going to be a lot of consequences from this. There really are. At the very least, I would expect some kind of apology from Provorov because of this. And you know what? I'll even go even further. You know what? I'm going to peel back the curtain here just a little bit. Just hold on one second, folks. Just excuse me. Okay, I'm going to do this. 
All right. I get a script. Yeah. I get a script every game during the Firebirds games. I get a script. And in that script, there are certain things that you cannot do. And I know I have it in here as well. You do not have discriminatory language. It actually says that in my PA script. And I remember this because I've said this eight times already. There is no place for discriminatory language. And it even goes so far as to say that if you throw out a homophobic slur, you could get thrown out of the arena. Yeah, I mean, I know I know, I have it in the script because this is from the last game that I have. But I say this every time. And it's there for a reason. It's absolutely there for a reason. It's there because, because of stuff like this. Because fans will... Yeah, code of conduct. The AHL has a code of conduct. The AHL, the league, requires anyone who uses objectionable, undesirable, racially discriminant, or homophobic slurs. Can't do that. And those spectators are subject to immediate ejection in addition to possibly being arrested. I don't think you'll get arrested for saying a homophobic slur, but you will get ejected from the game. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And yet it's still happening. It is still happening in the year 2023. It's just sad. It's just really sad. And like I said, I have colleagues, friends, allies that are part of the community and I stand with them. One of, one of my really best friends who's a hockey fan. And I don't know if he's watching this, but uh, his name is Chris who I've done radio stuff with a long, long, long time ago. Like we're talking over a decade ago. God, close to maybe close to two decades ago. Now that I think about it, I used to do some of the radio spots for him down at, um, gosh, I forgot the radio station but it was a long time ago it was for an 80s show and and he's gay and he's a hockey fan him and I have had discussions about this when there have been other actions despicable actions from players that are homophobic we talked at great deal just about all the despicable stuff that's happened. I know I'm going to get a phone call from him probably tomorrow because he is a hockey fan. He's a big hockey fan. He actually lives in South Jersey, close to the Flyers. I'm sure he's heard about this by now. He's got to be disgusted. I'm disgusted on his behalf. It's terrible. So I'm just going to conclude this podcast by saying... You know, if you are part of the LGBTQ community, I stand with you. I support you. Absolutely. You know what? 
that's how I'm going to end it. I'm not even going to do my normal send-off. I'm just going to say thanks for watching. You know, on behalf of myself, for Locked on Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying, please be kind to one another. Please, please be kind to one another. <laughs>